All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Mic podcast, the final one uh, with a guest, technically, uh, for season two. Next week is me solo. I'm going to take an episode solo, and then the week after that is the mega episode. We got a good lineup of guests from both season one and season two that will join us for that episode, so definitely something to look forward to there. Facebook, BTM Podcast, Alex. Twitter, it's BTM Podcast, underscore Alex. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify. Just three of the many platforms you can tune into us on. My guest today, Ryan Burgess, voice of the Buffalo Junior Sabres. Buffalo Bees, among other roles. Ryan, how are you? Not too bad. It's actually funny you mentioned the Buttes because today is the five-year anniversary of the very first NWHL games, and huh. mine was one of them. Nice. So I want to start off with this. You've obviously gotten the foot in the door pretty well on the hockey variety of things. How did this get started for you? Did you have perhaps any playing experience in the sport or what kind of started this fuel or this desire of hockey announcing for you? Well, I grew up watching the games with my dad. That's the earliest I can remember. I really don't have any playing experience except for recreationally. And that was once I figured out what, what everything was, the rules and whatnot. Let me tell you, fifth grade Ryan uh, had a really hard time figuring out what icing was. Mm. <laughs> so a few years later, as I'm starting to get into high school, my dad takes me to a preseason game for the Sabres they were playing I think Columbus and I hear the music going off I hear the guy talking on speaker I'm like hey that sounds pretty cool maybe I can do that so I start with uh because my school's really small they didn't they no hot no ice hockey no football believe it or not uh soccer basketball baseball that's kind of where they started um so I started with basketball I didn't get into hockey for a number of years, but once I did, I haven't let go. What does it mean to, because people talk about the adage of you want to love something that you do and have a passion for it. Does that make announcing hockey, I don't want to necessarily say easier, but maybe easier to enjoy just because of your passion of the sport and just how it all goes together? I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, there will be days where, you know, I'm, maybe I'm not feeling the best outside, just in my normal life. Maybe things aren't going. Maybe I had a bad day at work, but I can come to the rink and uh, really everything, all the troubles just go away. I have a job to focus on, well, a couple jobs to focus on because I play the music too. Uh, but really, that it, the passion for the game and the fact that I have actually something I enjoy doing greatly uh, just makes it even, even sweeter. A topic I've talked about with numerous of the guests is versatility. Um, You talk about things like operating the music. How important do you feel that is uh, for a PA announcer to not necessarily, and not that it is just showing up and talking, but in terms of what their role is, they aren't, only able to just show up and talk on the microphone they're able to you know run the music do maybe a little bit of game operations how important do you feel that something like that is um, in such a role I think it's extremely important for especially organizations that don't have 
a lot of personnel like the junior Sabres. I actually started with them running the video broadcast for hockey TV that included lugging, lugging the cases up and down, setting the equipment up, running the camera, breaking it all down and putting it back. I did that for a year before I slid over to the public address position. So it, it is extremely important to be versatile. And I mean, to this day, hockey TV still calls me. That's my phone in case uh, it didn't get picked up by the camera here. <laughs> Hockey TV still calls me uh, whenever there's a broadcast issue. Now, what does that mean, those past roles that you've had, maybe not necessarily directly relevant to public address? How important are those building blocks to have in terms of looking back on your career in the world of sports and really just from – a personal perspective of, you know, maybe you miss those times, but you're also happy you're in the position you're in right now. Well, I definitely miss those times uh, a little bit here and there because, you know, especially on the camera, you take pride in what you shoot. So if there's a sick goal, I want to make sure, obviously, that the camera shot's got it nice, that I'm zooming in at the right times. And even more than that, the people, the relationships you build, the bridges you build, you may run into those people three, four, five plus years down the road, and they'll remember you and the job you did and maybe consider you for for their role or for a role with them. Rolling off of that, um, one of our past guests mentioned the aspect of never you never know who's listening or you never know who's watching. How important do you feel it is to approach announcing a game that way, knowing um, in your case, maybe the director of communications or marketing or game ops or whatever with the senior version of the Sabres might be in there and say, hey, we want him to be our guy, that kind of situation. How important do you feel it is to carry that kind of professional demeanor, never knowing who could be listening? It's extremely important because it's already how I got one of my jobs. It's how I got the Canisius College job. Um, I had had the opportunity with the junior Sabres. Uh, they hosted a playoff game at Key Bank Center on the Sabres ice, and I got to do that game. So I put a video up on YouTube, and I want to say late September of 2016, I got a phone call from an associate athletic director at Canisius College got my phone number from the folks at Harbor Center, which is the main venue where I work, uh, found this video on YouTube, offered me the job. We talk about announcing and just how fun it is. That's already obviously been um, mentioned, but the team aspect, how much of an operation it can be at varying levels, obviously, maybe at the prep levels and below, it's not necessarily as much of an operation but obviously, as you get further and further up the totem pole, it becomes a team aspect. What has that experience been like for you and how both enjoyable and important do you find that to be? Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, as time has gone by, especially with Canisius, uh, because there's now a video board that runs. Uh, I have somebody next to me calling out when to do sponsor reads, when to play music, when the pep band can go, um, because I control the audio for the video board as well. So be, 
I guess, sliding into a more professional experience in the way, for example, an NHL game is run. That's been enjoyable. And it's taught me a lot, too, because uh, this past spring for the playoffs, we learned how to use the video board for the junior savers. So I'm the one calling when to run the intro video, when to go with the graphics and whatnot. And it was my wife handling it in the back because she works for the team as well. So okay. just knowing the people and, and, and anticipating when things are going to happen, uh, that, that can be a stressful part of it, especially if something runs off. But you take what the game gives you. That is my, I guess, adage. To just take what the game gives you. Don't, don't stress about it. Roll with it, and it'll, you'll be just fine. Preparation, obviously, quite important as well. Um, I'll, I'll let you have the freedom of whatever role you have in public address. But again, talking about how important preparation is, I, I think you and I can both agree it's one of, if not the most important thing. You show up unprepared, you forget a pronunciation, whatever it may be, things aren't going to go well. The wheels are going to fall off. Could you kind of elaborate on that and kind of what your preparation experience is like with whatever role you may choose? Um, so, so important uh, for the Junior Sabres. Uh, it's a lot of watching hockey TV and how the home broadcasters from the rest of the league say these names. I'll, on game day, I'll kind of go over it with uh, my play-by-play guy, my color guy, because they'll have a good sense as well. Uh, when you get to the college level and above, a lot of times there's pronunciation guides right on the line charts. And if I have questions, more often than not, there's an SID that I can go to and work with that. Um, what there are not pronunciation guides for sometimes are like the names of cities and towns that people are from. And that's part of my script in some games. So it can be three minutes before I have to do my first welcome read. And I'm furiously typing up on YouTube how to pronounce this city from Slovakia. <laughs> yeah. And that's obviously an interesting part of the sport because, as you know as well, how global of a sport hockey can be. Hockey also, I know not personally, but from a, looking at it from a broadcasting perspective, how challenging it can be to call in terms of the pace of the game and all that. What sort of challenges do you think are presented in hockey from a public address perspective? And how do you think you've at least attempted to overcome those in your years in hockey PA? Uh, trying to get the goal calls out on a timely basis has been a big challenge because I try to wait to do it until the other teams got the puck maybe in their zone, or we're just getting ready to start a breakout because if we come down the ice and score again, I have to blast the goal horn and, you know, Everybody hates getting cut off by their own goal horn. So, especially when you're the one actually running the horn, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You could like if you could see in the back of my mind when that happens, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> well, and not to monopolize the hockey conversation with um, basketball, but I had a situation a couple of years ago um, where a girl named Laisha Petrie from Bradley University women's basketball had an incredible run, had like 16 points in less than a minute or something like that. And she hit a three and I was announcing the Petrie and I put extra emphasis on the re. And when I was still on that last part of it, 
she's had stolen the inbounds pass from the opposing team and made a three while I was still saying her last name because I was looking down, putting it in the scorebook because I keep score as well. So and then all of know, a sudden, boom! It's like. <laughs> And thank God for the crowd, because had the crowd not re-erupted or erupted further than they already were, I wouldn't have known anything had happened, and I would have just left it be. Not that it would have been the end of the world, but definitely a challenging uh, part of any job, I would say. And talking about your role with Canisius, I want to talk about that as well. The world of college athletics is a fun animal on its own. You want to talk about a little more how you, you talked about the YouTube and how that came about, but what has your time with Canisius been like, and um, both from a personal perspective, but also looking at it from a professional angle as well? Uh, I think from a, we'll start with the professional angle. I think it's done a great deal for me. I learn something new every day I'm at the rink with them. Um, the pregame protocol, protocol is pretty set in stone, but uh, depending on what you have with the pep band and whether or not they show up, um, every game's an adventure. I mean, there can be, it can be a conference game, like uh, saying have Niagara in the building. Um, it can be a non-conference game like Clarkson or even North Dakota, which we had a couple of years ago and swept them, by the way. Um, uh, so very, very enhancing as far as professional goes, because uh, you'll have, players on the other team that are already NHL draft picks. Uh, you, I got a lot of that with North Dakota. Um, you meet new people as well. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, personally, just because Canisius, when I started, had a lot of my junior Sabres alumni, including uh, one who's now playing in the AHL. One made it to the NHL. He was drafted by Chicago and was just traded to Colorado yesterday. Um, so getting to, I mean, it, it's a true family and they've taken me in and accepted me like one of their own. I'm kicking the soccer ball around with them, a little sewer ball pregame, even won a couple games. Uh, but just on all fronts, it's been one of the great joys of my life so far. Over to the Buffalo junior savers. I know you've obviously been pretty heavily involved with them. And I'm going to kind of cross promote here. So the state association here in Illinois, they use the slogan, the future plays here. Um, what has it been like having the chair for the junior savers and kind of seeing uh, what bigger and better things come from them, but then also the product on the ice, putting aside uh, what the future may hold for them. Well, when I first started with the junior savers, this was September of 2012. We were a single team organization owned and really operated by the Sabres Alumni Association. Uh, guys like Larry Playfair were, were our president. Michael Pekka was the head coach and general manager. So you can imagine me looking across the ice and seeing a guy that I watched damn near win a Stanley Cup for us. Uh, in I better not mess up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Don't mess up. Uh, as time moved on, uh, in 2015, we moved into Harbor Center, the brand new complex downtown, and we added a bunch of new teams starting from age nine and under all the way up to 20 and under. So I've, and I've only worked with the 20 and under the junior A team uh, thus far behind the mic and whatnot. But 
where we can't play this year, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. We are the only American team in a Canadian league. And with the borders still closed, just not possible. So I've known since the end of July, but I got another opportunity uh, with them. I'm helping to run the social media for the whole organization this year. Now, talking about the Buffalo Buttes, I mentioned them earlier, and you mentioned the five-year um, anniversary, correct? Mm-hmm. Five, so, five years ago today, first game. What has that experience been like, both um, just having the role in general, but looking at it in a deeper cut, that you were a part of one of the first games uh, for them and for that league? I've, I've got a lot of pride just because, especially in the Butte, with the Buttes, because uh, it's a fledgling women, to this day still, it's a fledgling professional women's hockey league in the United States and Canada. Nobody, as far as mainstream media, really gives it the time of day and the fact that the league is succeeding despite all of that and just my getting to be a part of that, absolutely huge. I mean, the Buttes right now are the only actual professional hockey team to have won a championship for the city of Buffalo. The Buffalo Bisons did it many years ago with the American Hockey League. They were the previous iteration of the Sabres, but this is the highest level of women's hockey that has a championship and we've got one here from 2017 my first ring believe it or not oh yeah so i want to delve outside of the world of public address and get into the fandom if you will the toronto blue jays became the honorary buffalo blue jays this year what was that experience like for you being a resident of the area and just what you felt like the vibe was from the community welcoming, albeit with no fans, um, a major league team to the city of Buffalo. It's well, I thought it was well past due. And as, as I heard that, you know, Ottawa told the blue Jays, no, you can't play home games in Toronto. I'm like, Oh, Buffalo's the logical choice. You can't go to Florida because it's a blasted COVID hotspot. But they look at, Pittsburgh and they look at Baltimore and when when the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the state of Maryland both say no then you finally start to think well this might happen I mean it's an it was an absolute income true for the rich family the owners of the Bisons uh, for those of you who don't know in the early 90s Buffalo was one of the finalists for a major league baseball team but they lost out to I think the Expos and maybe Tampa Bay hmm. You might know that better than me. Yeah, I, so, I do remember uh, that uh, kind of looking at that time. I wasn't in this world just yet, but I'm familiar with it pretty pretty well. Um, now, I'm going to break a minor rule here. You said not to bring up the Bills. I want to bring up the Bills, but not necessarily um, from the performance perspective, the world of COVID and just the general National Football League. Um, it's been a crazed world uh, for us all in terms of sports fans. What has it been like maybe trying to keep up uh, with the NFL? Because you look at games like, uh, I believe it was Bill's Chiefs is now uh, next Monday night. Instead, I think it was supposed to be Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. And it was so you supposed got- to be Thursday night, yeah. and now it's Monday at 5 p.m. I don't get out of work until 7 I'm going to miss half the game. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, it, it's an interesting world, right? So like, how do you even try to follow that as a fan? And can you even begin to fathom what it'd be like trying to keep up with all that as a PA announcer? I was, I was doing just fine keeping track of everything until the Titans messed this all up. <laughs> well, hopefully and... no Tennessee Titans fans are listening to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, I... That, that's another situation right there for sure. But um, another aspect of this whole world of COVID I wanted to talk to you about is announcing in COVID. Um, you talk about one of your seasons being canceled because of the virus. What has that time been like for you? And how has this pandemic kind of maybe increased the appreciation for all the roles you have talking about things like the never take it for granted or athletes talking about you know, wanting to play every game like it's your last because you never know. We might have this game successfully, but then maybe a test comes out of here somewhere and, you know, the season's blown up, that kind of thing. So could, do you think this pandemic has kind of increased that appreciation for um, the roles that you get to have on a game-by-game basis? Without a doubt. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually went down to the rink and was able to get in to shoot some video for a Junior Sabres draft preview. Uh, just some B-roll kind of footage, things like that. But, but that was my first time stepping foot in the ring since March 8th. And Canisius was practicing. So I kind of, I did the video that I needed to take. And then I just kind of went up to my perch where I, where I, where I do games. And I just kind of stood there for 20 minutes or so and took it in. And then when I had to leave and go down to my car, it's a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. What do you think? Well, if I'm not mistaken, you have or have not been able to be on a mic since the pandemic, correct? You said that March 8th date was your last? Uh, October 2nd, my sister got married and she okay. had me DJ. That is my first live event since March 8th. Looking at whether it be the Junior Savers, the Buttes, Canisius, etc., that first sporting event with well, the first sporting event period might come first before a sporting event with fans. That being said, that first sporting event with fans since the pandemic, what do you think that will be like for you from the perspective of the PA chair, kind of hearing those natural, as much as the artificial crowd noise, the sporting events may be trying to make it seem as real as possible. I'm sure that'll be a special feeling of that first sporting event with fans, right? I think so. It'll just, uh, there'll be like, and the best way I can describe it is kind of an electric current, just because everybody will be so happy to re return to some kind of normalcy, something that they're used to doing that they haven't been able to, to do for a while. Uh, I think my job in game presentation gets even more important without fans because there's no, there's no energy coming from coming from them there's no energy coming from the stands so within within the the rules of the game and the spirit of the game that's my job so it has to come from somewhere and why not me i close by asking a question if you've caught any of the other episodes you probably know where i'm going with this what do you feel is the best and or favorite part of your job That's an that's a good question. Uh, probably the best 
my favorite part of the job is just coming down to the rinks, seeing the people, um, and the high fives in the dressing room after a win because you feel like you made a difference. Yeah. And before we let Ryan go, um, another reminder, next week I take it solo. And then scheduled to be released October 28th, as I look at my calendar, is the mega episode. We've got multiple guests from both sides of season one and season two that will join a roundtable Q&A discussion that you will definitely not want to miss. I selfishly obviously want to mention, don't forget my episode too. Uh, but um, <laughs> the, ba- basically, these two episodes, for those that are listening, will kind of be structured as a little bit of a going away. Because um, for those of you that haven't seen on our social media, we are going on a little bit of a hiatus until the end of my academic year once season two is complete. Facebook, BTM Podcast Alex. Twitter is BTM Podcast underscore Alex. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, and many more. Today, we say so long to Ryan Burgess. Ryan, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Y'all take care of yourselves.